Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. We are on episode 11, and with me, my co-captain as always... Uh, I'm Scott Larson, and with us for the second time is our special guest from the uh, Pinball Podcast, Jeff Rivera. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. Fantastic. I was going to call you the OPP, but you know that Naughty by Nature song? And then I... <laughs> yeah, but that means something the, different. Yeah, no, no, I know no. You're, this is a family podcast. I, I I now realize that, but he's the original <laughs> pinball podcaster, man. Okay, so, yeah, that that's not really what that song means. <laughs> I know, I Googled it. Don't Google it. People out there, please do not Google it. Yeah. The OG would have Yeah. I was going to say OG, but... I thought OB, OPP would be cooler. And we're gonna we're gonna co-op that acronym. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't drive with kids in the car and have people say, "Dad, what's OPP?" <laughs> oh, we're off to a great start. Yes. Oh. Okay. You know what? What what have you two been up to? Because obviously, I can't drive this vehicle at this moment. <laughs> Well, Jeff, why don't you take it away? What did we do? Uh, we went to the Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown, didn't we? Uh, we did. I was uh, I tagged along. Uh, Jeff already had everything booked, and so I tagged along and I said, hey, what flight are you taking? And by the way, can I uh, sleep in your hotel room? And thankfully, it had two beds. It did. We pushed them together, and we had a great time. <laughs> we snuggled. That was Big Spoon. Or Little, yeah. I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> It was put cool. Jabba back in the hut. <laughs> <laughs> no, great. Uh, we had a fantastic time at the show. I'm sure, we'll talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do. I, you guys were snapping pictures and sending them all weekend long. I mean, it looked like quite the party you guys were having going on. It was a riotous party. Yes. You know, it was actually yes. I, it was my first um, my first event, uh, and so I I will say. There was more to do than I thought, and I was also more tired at the end. <laughs> and I think I got lost about 20 times and had to keep testing, texting people and saying, are you guys still around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and usually I was. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yes. You should have no, just got it, one of those leashes like you put on your kids, you know, so that way you don't have to worry about them wandering off. No, it's it, it, seriously. I, I I would just kind of wander off because uh, I would because you'd play a game and then uh, I I'm less of a really good um, I have a little bit of ADD uh, on if someone is playing a pinball game for about 15 minutes I kind of lose interest and I say hey there's one down there so <laughs> but uh, but it was a lot of fun I I, I loved going. Um, what then? Why don't we start with a recap? So, what did we do the first night? Uh, the first night, I think we played pinball, but mostly it was in the tournament area. So, yeah, yeah, we played. Uh, oh yeah, because the main tournament qualifying ended on the first night. Uh, mm-hmm. You you had to play all those games the first day. So, or or are you talking about the first night we arrived? Because the oh. first night we arrived, it was the day before the show. Yeah, actually, the first night we arrived, I think, was the uh, that was great. Because yeah. um, we got there, and because we were special guests of the show, uh, we actually got in early and were able to go and see some of the some of the games set up. And we even 
uh, were able to play Black Knight, and um, we played the Pro, and the LE was set up. Uh, we got some games in on Wonka. Um, Oktoberfest, they were setting up, but we didn't get any uh, games on that that night. But it was really impressive to see everybody setting up their custom games and uh, bringing them in. There was some really good talent there. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome um, getting there a day early, like you said. Um, I usually get in the day of the show, so that worked out. The way that worked out, I think I'll be going in the night before every time. So it, it was really nice to ease into pinball and not have to be my first like flip on a game in Denver being on the tournament. So, uh, but yeah, but day one was all about tournament stuff and we did quite well. I'd have to say. Yeah. They, uh, I would say the Utah contingency did pretty well. So I, I entered, um, well, I, I did three tournaments. I did the, the main tournament. Um, since I am barely ranked, um, I qualified for the novice tournament and then uh, everybody can do the classics tournament. And I really had a blast playing those classics games. Yeah, they were set up so well. Um, great selection of games, super clean. Um, every single one played perfectly um, until Barracora caught fire. <laughs> but that didn't have anything to do with the way it was set up. It was just bad luck. But uh, yeah, it was great. Um, had a lot of fun. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, wait, yeah. Barracora caught on fire. Yes. It did. And it was, uh, were you playing it, Scott? No, no. Um, um, it was, uh, Dan, Dan was playing. It. Okay. it was, it was about an hour before qualifying ended. Yeah. All of a sudden, very, very strong smoke smell and a little bit of smoke under the glass. We opened up the, the coin door and it burped out a little cloud and one of the coils had locked on and <laughs> burnt up and, uh, we had to cut the power to to stop that, and so I was playing on the machine next to it, um, just basically trying not to cough through that game. But but I did it. That was it. I did have an interesting game on Barracora though, because I played <laughs> it and I queued up on it, and I, I played the game, and they went to record the score, and they tried, and they said, "Huh, that's kind of weird. This isn't recording." And then they went and they looked, and he said. Uh, you have no more entries, <laughs> which um, it still probably wasn't a big deal because I was like solidly in the lower third of uh, classics, but that was like a game I did really well on. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, so here's a pro tip for you. Next time you go into the tournament area, make sure you actually have entries left before you queue in on a game. Yeah, it helps. It helps. They need to have a mulligan rule, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really did well on that. Can I just pay? Yeah, no. But I, I will um, give a shout out to uh, to Brandon and Snow for running uh, such a great tournament. And one, they're both very approachable, and two, you can tell that they really like people and pinball. Um, they were very uh, personable and just welcoming to everybody who was coming up. And so, um, being as that it was my first tournament. Uh, experience uh, i couldn't describe it any easier than how they had it set up yeah they did a great job they really did and they they always do and it just ran so smoothly um problems were addressed very quickly uh, there weren't a lot of problems to begin with but when there were they were on it really quickly and i actually thought the tournament format was a lot of fun um 
for classics and the main were both different. But um, the way they did main is that everybody who played qualified. It just whether you qualified for A division or B division. And then from there, they set up a ladder system. So if you qualified really high, you got a few buys um, going into finals. Um, if you qualified low, you had to fight your way back up. But it was it was really cool. Give everybody a shot because all you had to do is catch a hot streak and you could you know, have a chance at winning the thing. So it was a lot of fun. They did a great job. Um, I don't know quite where I finished, but I made a finals and I won a few rounds. So. Yeah, well, I, I was in B, (laughs) so I played right at the start and I won my first match, but then I immediately lost the next uh, two matches, but um, I had a great time. So I'll, I'll definitely do it again. Yep, and then classics went well. I think I finished ninth in classics. Didn't one of our so. didn't one of our guys from Utah end up taking classics? Um, no, but Dan oh, finished okay. third. Yeah, I believe. he was pretty high up there. Yeah, um, I think that Matt um, didn't Matt win some too. So I'll hurry and look it up while you guys chit chat. <laughs> no, it, it, it it's fine. People are already tuning out in droves on our uh, yeah. That's enough tournament talk, but Matt got a trophy at Novice. So anyway, everybody who went from uh, our league, though, got some money. Okay, so uh, let's actually get um, let's actually talk about the most interesting story that we had on uh, the first day. So this is the day after (laughs) the uh, so this is the real day of the show. So Jeff and I get up and. We look at our tickets and say, oh, there's breakfast. And for some reason on weekends, it's good until like 8 o'clock in the morning. So Yeah, breakfast served from yeah. 6 to 8. So we said, yeah, okay. So we decided that's not what we're going to do. Um, so we actually went out, got breakfast, and I have a Spider-Man downstairs. And so uh, before the uh, I packed up to go, I uh, took the translate out and – Anybody, just here's a pro tip for you. The first time you take a translate out of a, uh, um, you know, of a back glass, whatever, the, the glass holder, it has some like gorilla tape on there. And it is like prying a lollipop from a baby. It's just not going to happen. So I spent like about an hour trying to get it without uh, ripping out that translate. But I wanted to make sure that, hey, uh, to, for Steve Ritchie to sign it, I need a Sharpie. So I, I didn't find one. So right after uh, breakfast, we went and we grabbed a Sharpie and then went back to the uh, hotel, dropped off our stuff, and then we immediately walk out of our room. And what happened, Jeff? Well, we ran into the king of flow himself, Steve Ritchie, and – we had ourselves a morning with him and it was interesting. <laughs> so, so yeah, we just were talking to him in the halls. We're walking down and uh, we got down towards the entrance of the show and he said that he felt like an idiot. Mm-hmm. I think were his words because he had forgotten deodorant. So he said he was going to catch an Uber and we offered to give him a ride to the grocery store so he could buy some. And he also needed liquor and he also needed some Sharpies. Can, so. can, I, pause, can I pause you for one second? Is the yeah. most ironic thing because Steve Bowden has been pushing this for like the last three months that if you can afford to go to a pinball convention, you can afford deodorant. And all this time, it's just been Steve yeah. Ritchie. <laughs> it, it's exactly. a subtle hint. It's a subtle hint to Steve to uh, to wear the deodorant. But <laughs> okay, 
please proceed though. <laughs> so yeah, we ended up taking Steve uh, on a little shopping trip to get deodorant, liquor, and sharpies. And he was kind of our buddy throughout the show after that. But it was it was funny. He was telling stories as we were driving around, and um, we were shouting as um, we needed to to talk with him. But it was actually a lot of fun. He was he was hilarious, and uh, it was just kind of a funny way to start the show. It was the first minute of the floor opening as we were right about to step on, and instead we did a one eighty and walked back out to the parking lot to you know. <laughs> drive Steve around, but, uh, but it was great. Yeah. I, I, we had fun. He, and then he was, uh, he was really cool about, um, you know, just goofing around with us afterwards. Um, whenever he'd see us, he's like, I remember you guys, you're the ones that got me the liquor. <laughs> but, uh, I think the best part about it, cause it was like, it was I'm going to have that stuff left over. So I want to make good, you know, he's, he's on an expense account. So he gets some just because I'm sure he's going to be having like people up to his room and I'll, you know, just, or going to different rooms because people would bring pinball uh, machines to their rooms. And so he was always like, I'm going to make sure you, uh, you get some of that liquor. And I was just laughing like, that's great. I'm not sure who's going to drink. it." <laughs> <laughs> Obviously he's not listened to an episode lately. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, it was, uh, it was really great. And uh, then went in and, um, yeah, and uh, I, guess, I guess that I'll kind of jump to the uh, jump to Monday on that. Um, I went to uh, Steve Ritchie's seminar, and afterwards there was someone who had a, a customized Black Knight, and um, he was heading in to do the uh, or to someone wanted to show him something, and so he came over and we pointed out the customized Black Knight that had the um, had basically a custom wire form. And it shot up and then went across and uh, dropped down into the uh, left in lane. And so you didn't get a uh, free feed up to the top. So it's a beautiful game, though. Yeah, it's completely and totally restored and then just lightly modified. Yeah. <laughs> I think it can, I think the modification confused him. He's like, why would you do that? <laughs> but, so. Anyway, so there was a picture with you and Steve Scott, yeah, of uh, where you guys were kind of had arms over shoulders, and he was pointing at the camera. What was that all yeah. about? You know what? That, so that was when he signed my Spider-Man translate. So I made sure I took it over, and he signed it, and I was the last one in line. So we just talked a little bit, and Jeff was there, and so uh, I, he we took a picture, and then he made a joke and was pointing at the camera, and I was laughing, and that's what you uh, uh, what you got. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And, and then that day on Monday, uh, Jeff was out gallivanting around. And right after I showed him that thing, he said, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Let's go get lunch. <laughs> Very spur of the moment. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, Steve Ritchie, uh, took me out to lunch and really the take home message from that is he's comfortable being Steve Ritchie. He's, he's, he's genuinely happy doing what he's doing. Um, I think that it's revitalized him in the, in the second half of his career. I mean, he's 69. He's still designing pinball machines. Um, he, uh, I got some tidbits from him. He goes to uh, about six shows a year and, uh, he goes because he likes, he, he likes going and he likes seeing the people and, 
Um, and he said like, you know, Stern's not paying him money to go to these shows. It's just him going out cause he wants to, you know, he still likes that interaction with people in pinball. And I just think he's, he seems genuinely happy doing what he's doing, which is really great to know that he's been doing this all this year and he still has that passion. I don't know how many people have the same passion after, you know, after working in an industry for so long, but he still has it. Yeah, he does. Uh, it's a whole different Steve Ritchie than I remember seeing a few years ago. So it's great. Yeah. It was just fun seeing him like that. Yeah. I think it's, uh, and, and, and I did ask him, I said, do you ever get tired at these shows? And he said, yes, but you can't show that. <laughs> so I really, if you think about it, I'm going to six shows a year for, for a 69 year old guy, I mean, that's really impressive that shows some stamina and he's you know he still wants to get out there so i really like that the king of show exactly yeah. the king of the show you know okay so i i went to i went to both steve ritchie seminars and i took a lot of notes but i uh, i don't want to bore you with a complete recap of it but there are um uh, there were some things that i really want uh that i thought was very interesting um one he says um he said, you know, his job, and this is basically a quote, I make pinball machines to sell pinball machines. So he, you know, he's dialed into, that's his job is to make sure that uh, Stern is able to sell his designs. Um, he says the 80s retro is really big right now. Um, he said, and I'm not sure how the pricing would be on this, but it was interesting. He said they sell, they sell games by the container. And, and so I don't know like how that breakdown was, but I thought that was interesting that obviously it's kind of a bulk order situation for most things. I mean, obviously not all things. Um, he said that they have uh, 17 million parts at Stern at 26 cents a part. So I did a quick calculation. They have 4.2 million in inventory. Wow. Just in, just in little, uh, little parts. Um, the uh, interesting uh, tidbit he dropped that um, on uh, Black Knight, the uh, left playfield design was stolen and uh, basically some industrial es- espionage. And that left hand side is Flash. Flash Gordon. Hmm. It's Flash Gordon. Huh. So, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was that was really interesting. Um, he he he. T- we asked him about a previous like his favorite Valley Williams game, and he said that uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation was. Um, he said uh, um, Jonathan Frank wasn't that into it, but Brent Spiner was, and so that's why Data is very uh, heavily featured in the game. Let's see what what else can I say? I'm, I'm trying to go through this uh, quickly so I'm not completely boring. Um, well, the one thing that you're telling us about, you're talking about uh, Steve Ritchie's favorite designs from other designers. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, let's see if I can find um, Dennis Norden. So he said he liked Whitewater. Um, I don't know who designed Matahari, but he likes it. Uh, uh, Barry Osler, he liked Comet. Uh, Mark Ritchie, he liked Indiana Jones: The Pinball Adventure. Uh, for, um, John Borg, he liked Metallica, um, on Brian Eddy, he liked attack from Mars better than medieval madness. 
but he said they're both, you know, quite good. Um, on my notes, it says Ray Chancellor. I, I put date and I don't know if that's like 1789 or there's a, he said something and I couldn't hear what it was. So it, it's a pinball machine. That's, uh, that's a date. Um, Greg Knitch is a uh, captain. Fantastic. Uh, George, he liked uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, J pop. He said none. And then of course everybody laughed. <laughs> uh, however, he, he said, he, he said, I'm kidding. He likes theater magic. Um, which Pat Lawler machine do you think he liked the best? Uh, I guess, I guess Jeff was there. So I'm going to be the one that's guessing. No, um, no, Je- Jeff wasn't, Jeff wasn't at this one. Cause this was the second seminar. Oh, I'm going to go with whirlwind. Bonsai run. Yeah. You know what? That would be interesting, but he said roadshow. He liked roadshow. Wow. So that's yeah, weird. that, that was a little out of left field. And uh, Jeff, for Jessica, I asked uh, Steve Kirk, and okay. he said he has three good ones. He, he said uh, Nine Ball, Stars, and I can't read my writing, um, Infinite Disaster. I don't know enough about Steve Kirk, so maybe there's a, another one there. But anyway, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Hey, I was writing really fast. Um the, the one thing he, it was interesting when he was talking about working with, uh, with licensing and, um, and this was, this was interesting. And I think it's, this is certainly a fair assessment in dealing with any license and not just like, you know, not just Disney, but it's just kind of any license. Right. And he just said, um, I don't know how to make movies. They don't know how to make pinball machines. Which, which yep. is kind of, which is a fair assessment, right? Because yeah, uh-huh. I think that they don't, and if you remember back to our interview with Eric, um, uh, you know, designer of JJP's Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, he said he was asked, you know, he's going to Disney and there's so many people he's working with. And he's like, they're used to de- designing like a lunchbox. And so you send off like one design and they're not used to, um, sending, you know, getting approval for all these things. It's like I was asking for hundreds of uh, of uh, permission for what he did, and he said at the very end, they said, "Yeah, okay, I get it. I, I get why you're asking for all this stuff, but it's just so outside of what they normally do." I can imagine that it it was a breath of fresh air for him to design Black Knight, which is I mean, it's it's licensed, but not not really. It's not a not a heavy license that they have to deal with. Uh, actors and likenesses and all that. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Jeff, did, sorry, I, I took a long time talking about that. Do you have anything else to to add or talk about that? Uh, about the actual Steve Ritchie like yeah, uh, seminar. Well, or- anything to add on like Steve Ritchie or just uh, anything he said. No, I think you kind of covered most of the points that I thought that were the most interesting parts. Uh, trying to think if there was anything else that stuck out, but I think I think you got most yeah, of them. We we asked about his design philosophy, and he said he he does he likes having the theme first, so he doesn't have like a a uh, he doesn't start on a design and then um, like retrofit the theme on there. Um, he that he said he does start with the LE. So he starts with the you know with the top of the line version of it, and then figures out ways of scaling it back for the for the pro model. Um, 
Okay. So I, I, you know, I think that's good. He's on, on themes. He said they won't do another sports game because uh, they never succeeded. Um, and uh, honestly, what sports theme has besides, well, can you even count world cup soccer? 94 I, as a successful sports not. theme. <laughs> um, yeah. And he, uh, he did mention, um, the, the, the one thing that was uh, challenging, I, I did just barely read it. Um, he talked about the challenges of, um, and we talked about this before, about making a game out of a game. And so if you're, if you have, you know, right. you know, things like Monopoly or, uh, you know, Wheel of Fortune or something that is a game anyway, and then you're trying to, to layer a pinball machine using those things. He said, it's just, it's, it's clumsy and doesn't really work. Well, it sounds like you guys had a blast. It sounded like it was quite the hoot of a time. Yeah, it was awesome. That was great. It made me quite jealous, but Scott did make it up to me. Uh, I don't know how he found the, found the time, but in the middle of the Rocky mountain pinball showdown, he texts me, Hey, this guy's selling his Jurassic park. Cause he knows that I've been looking one for one for like five years now. And, uh, he's like, give him a call. So I call the guy and I'm like, is it still available? <laughs> he's like, I posted it like 10 minutes ago. So I'm like, I'll pay you, I'll pay you a down payment right now. You, you pull it off the website. So no one else sees it. And I will pick it up as soon as I like, as soon as I can make arrangements. And so, uh, we made some arrangements and I got it home and I'm pretty happy with myself. I was, I was a little upset when it first got home because, uh, because of a Jurassic at- Park. Well, no, not that it was Jurassic Park, but I I bought it without even testing it, essentially. Um, and I brought it home. And then once I got it home, the T-Rex, I guess, on all Jurassic Parks has a hard time left to right movement. Yeah. So a lot of people just say, just turn off the left to right and just do the, the eating motion, which that works great. But I was frustrated when I first turned it on and the T-Rex is sticking to one side. And then I asked him if the shaker motor worked and he said, yes. And I got it home and it wasn't working and come to find out that it was, uh, just turned off in the settings. <laughs> so I t- <laughs> turned it back on and, and then I was frustrated cause I thought one of the buttons were missing for the diag. I'm used to Bally Williams. Like I've never owned a data East. And so just to have two buttons, I was like, what the heck is yeah, this? Yeah. It's a little clumsy. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, I'm missing a button, dude. Like, how am I supposed to go through all this stuff? And he's like, not my problem anymore. So I then (laughs) read up on pin side that, you know, you, you have just the two buttons and you use the start button as one of the also, uh, diagnosis buttons. So after I got all figured out and realized that seriously, the only thing that was broken on it is a switch that goes to the control room and the, the cabinet's in fantastic shape. There's like one good gouge on it, but the rest of it's just shiny black and, I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased as punch. So you guys got to hang out with Steve Ritchie and I got to get a Jurassic Park. So I'm I'm pretty pleased. It's a good trade. It's almost yes. the same. Almost the same. Well, and this is the this is the title my wife's been looking for. So once the kids start demanding so much attention, the new twins, mm-hmm. I think she'll start playing it. So fingers crossed. Hey, always getting a game that your wife likes or your significant other likes is certainly a good move. I agree. So that was my, that's what happened in my last two weeks. So I'm not very eventful. (laughs) So not as cool as you guys hanging out with Steve Ritchie and going to breakfast and being his chauffeur. Actually, you know what? Definitely not. Okay. And 
Jeff, do you want to talk about the chicken and waffles? Yeah, they were fantastic. Um, Breakfast place we went to, Early Bird, I think is the name of it. Uh Yes, Early Bird. Kind of just ended up there uh, because... We didn't want to go to Denny's. (laughs) Yeah, and it was not not a chain place that was... um, like national that we knew of at least. So we went there and I think we both had, were going to order something different, but the waitress said that the chicken and waffles were the most popular things. So we both said, yeah, sure. Whatever. Give us that. And they were quite amazing. And they left me full for the next three days, basically. So yeah, it's a, um, it's a giant waffle uh, covered with um, chicken, like a, I don't know, a deep fried chicken thing and like loaded with gravy. And, and hot sauce. Yeah. And maple syrup. And we ate the whole thing. E- each of us ate our own like giant waffle plate. Yeah. That doesn't sound <sighs> super delicious. I'm not going to lie. I'm not hey. a huge gravy maple waffle or maple syrup. It wasn't like a heavy, like super heavy gross gravy though. It okay. was good. It was good. It was, it was good. It seemed like kind of like a biscuits and gravy with, uh, with fried chicken. Yeah. But I would say um, it was really good, I and mean, you can't eat them every day. But it was it was certainly a good one. Yeah, nice. Uh, so Jeff, were there any other uh, seminars that you uh, went to that you you thought were interesting? I did not get to make it to many of them because I was in tournament finals um, on one day, and yeah, I just was not quite able to. So I would have liked to have gotten to more of them, but okay. Hey, did you go to the uh, did you go to the American Pinball one with me? I did not. Okay, so um, I'm going to give you a quick recap on. Sorry, this is this is Scott Larson's um, nerd report on uh, on pinball stuff. Um, but so I went to Barry Osler's, uh, and it was really interesting because okay, one thing he said is that American Pinball is hiring. So anybody out there who really wants to get into pinball and has any sort of unique talents, he said, send them your, you know, contact them, send them your resume because they're, they're bulking up. So, uh, I thought that was interesting and, and good. Uh, always having healthy, uh, healthy groups in the hobby is always excellent. Um, a couple things. The uh, they said Houdini. He said they sold kind of around seven hundred. Uh, he said their goal is to get ten to fifteen percent of the market, and then later he said, "So if we're selling about a thousand to fifteen hundred, then that would be a success for us." So at least according to Barry Osler, if uh, if you know, 10% is a thousand. Then that means they think 10,000 pinball machines are roughly being sold here. Yeah. I don't know if that's a lot or not a lot. I can't, I, I can't decide. You know what? Yet. I think that with, um, it seems like with modern society that everyone's kind of partitioned off. I mean, we, we've talked about this before that there doesn't seem to be any super bands anymore because it, there's no barrier to entry. And so people, uh, they're not relegated to thinking of five or six really big bands. I mean, they, uh, you know, I, I went to, uh, to work the other day and I asked what music they wanted, um, what he, he wanted. And he said, how about Big Head to- uh, Todd and the Monsters? 
And I said, okay. <laughs> so I, I looked, I'd never heard of them. I looked them up and it was available. And so I think that people have the ability to find these, these niche these niche sports and these niche groups and these niche ways of staying entertained. And so in many ways that has revitalized pinball into, Hey, it's a niche hobby, but there's a critical mass that keeps it going. And so I, yeah. so I think that that, uh, I think 10,000 is actually, it's a healthy amount. It's not, it's sure. not a hundred thousand, but it's, it's still a healthy amount. Well, what kind of numbers was 1992 doing uh, between all pinball manufacturers? Do we roughly know? Well, I, there was more, that, but it, it kind of steadily yeah. declined. Like 92 to 99, you you just saw all the different uh, manufacturers just close up shop, except for uh, yeah. except for Stern. So okay, yeah, um, yeah. So his take on uh, um, so he said when he designed Wizard of Oz, there were no limits. And so it was like, whatever you want to put in the game, they they could. So he's like, we went from like, you know, ramps to one upper play field to two upper play fields too. So he said that was, it's obviously a lot of fun to design a game, but you can just cram full of everything. Um, he, uh, they did, they did Oktoberfest. I, I really wanted to ask him, um, like, what about Oktoberfest? it was his dream theme because this has always been his passion project. And so I kind of wondered, um, now we got to go and play Oktoberfest. Uh, Jeff, what do you, what'd you think of Oktoberfest? Um, so I've played Oktoberfest before. My big thing with it is it does a lot of neat, fun stuff, but it does so many things that it starts to kind of lose its idea identity somehow because everything starts to just feel like minor variations um the other problem with it is it's super super long ball time type of game and it needs to be much harder modes need to be kind of snappier and quicker if they're gonna have that many modes in it um so uh, like the code could be addressed Mm -hmm. but um the play field is just long um either long back of the playfield shots that are easy to regain control of, or they're near the flippers, but they don't tend to cause a lot of danger when you, when you make or miss. So the game just goes and goes and goes. It's fun to flip and shoot on. I just, I, it would drive me nuts having it at home. I'd get, I'd get pretty tired of it pretty quickly. I mean, we had a game on it that lasted 53 mm-hmm. minutes. I timed it. Wow. And, uh, was that Dan's game? That, that was the game where we played four players, yeah. and uh, we ended up just letting a couple of balls go at the end. So that was 53 minutes with letting some balls go. Um, I felt really bad for the people waiting behind us, <laughs> but I don't know. I It's not a bad game. It just it, It's lacking some refinements that could make it a good game, I, I, I'll yeah. say. I, I, I will say... We um, we didn't camp on the game. I mean, there was there was like two people behind us, and so it's not. If there were a bigger line, then I think we would just play one ball and moved on. Um, but we didn't feel that um, obligated to move on since the people were right there, and they they seemed right. to be interested in what we were doing. Um, so I guess two two of my takeaways. 
Um, it is interesting. The longer you play on the game, they have these magnets that get activated, which I'm assuming is simulating you getting farther into the Oktoberfest celebrations. And so the ball right. is a little more squirrely when you're playing it. Um, now, if you're, you know, if you're kind of a control, most good players are very controlled and you're trying to grab the ball and to uh, do these controlled shots. And if the, if the game is fighting you a little more as you're getting in, which is theme appropriate, um, there has to be kind of that risk reward as the, as the difficulty ramps up the points would have to go up exponentially because otherwise I think it would just get kind of annoying. Um, I agree with Jeff. I'm not, I, I've said it before. I'm not really the best player. Um, I'm competent, but I'm not an amazing one, but I could, I could shoot for a long time on it. My problem with it was, and, and I know that it's at, it's at a, um, it's at a, a um, it's at a convention. And so, you're getting some power draw. The left ramp going up to the roller coaster is super steep. And that is really hard to hit, even with an, uh, a clean shot, that's really hard to hit. So I can see that being very frustrating. Also, the wire form, the roller coaster wire form, really is one of the coolest looking things in the game. Okay. I know you're just watching the ball go on this big, long, uh, like wire form, but visually that's kind of one of the cool things in pinball is watching the ball do something. And so, although you could play long, most of your playtime is really on, you know, on the surface. And it seemed like it was, it took a lot of effort to try to get it uh, above the play field. Yeah, that's true. So I, 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 I wish that that, wire form will were used a little bit more just because it's it's fun it looks really great and it's it's you know i i understand when they keep talking when uh they were talking about lord of the rings when it was built and gary stern you know it doesn't really make sense to have the balrog do something every time but gary is the one who's saying hey we're spending uh, i can't remember how much it was like 50 dollars for this mech which apparently is a lot in a build of materials and he's like, I want it to be out there every time. And it's the same thing with like Ironmonger in Iron Man. Um, you pretty much see that every game. And it's kind of a big feature in what's going on. I don't know Iron Man would be that interesting if you only saw Iron Ironmonger like one in ten times. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, who knows? Maybe that's something that they can work on but uh I, I thought it was a fun game i think it'll do good on location um it, I, it certainly doesn't fit the theme of my game room uh right but i, but I thought it was I, it was a, a it, it was a solid game i guess i'll put it that way um i i wouldn't say an a plus but i thought it was a solid game yeah yeah it's i mean not every game is a home run it's just it's not that mm -hmm. but again it's not a bad game yeah so. but you got to play um you put in a lot more time on Wonka, though. So talk about Wonka. Okay, yeah. So Willy Wonka's the thing I was most um, excited to see, partially because I have a deposit down on one. Um, so I just kind of wanted to, I don't know, uh, confirm my choice to be in on that game because I still have time to 
know, obviously pull out if, if it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Luckily I was quite happy with it. It just is a smooth shooter. There's shots everywhere. Um, I mean, there are a ton of shots on that game and Lawler always does that like twilight zone. Every single angle seems to be coming from or leading to another shot. And the game does that. Um, I mean, the artwork is I, the criticisms to it are fair. Um, it doesn't seem so bad while you're playing it, but uh, it sure sounds and looks happy when you're playing it. Um, but yeah, I, I was super happy with uh, everything I saw with it to this point. I guess the production uh, version is going to be a little bit different. Um, they changed, they've made some geometry changes to the final version. So um, apparently the changes that they made make it even a little bit more challenging, which was good because I had pretty long ball times on it. But at a show, things are never quite as steep or as mean as I set them up at home. But uh, I was glad to hear that it was going to be a little bit tougher, a little bit more challenging in the final one um, in the upper playfield area. So I don't know. I was just really happy with it. I feel like they got a real winner there. And it was kind of fun. Um hearing other people's reactions to it too. It seemed like it was pretty universally praised um, at the show. So one question I have for you, Jeff, Um, I was listening to the head to head pinball podcast with Martin and the new co-host Joe Lemire, and they were talking about Willy Wonka and they said that it's kind of hard to see that upper right portion where the shots are at there underneath the screen. Did you feel that way as well? Or was it kind of set up differently where you could see it? So, what I actually felt was that the shots, you, you don't see them very well, but I felt that they went very easily. Uh, just by the ball coming, If you, it felt like if you flipped, it just went. And I guess the change is actually to make those shots a little bit less automatic. Okay. So um, it was actually Butch Peel uh, said that uh, in the production version, it doesn't. It feels a little bit more challenging. Um, I don't know how big of a difference it's going to be, but he just said that the people who've been play testing it are a little bit more happy with it. Um, but I know what they're talking about when they say that they don't quite see those shots um, as clearly. And yeah, I, I, I can see that for sure. Okay. Yeah, it seemed that uh, I I had a lot of fun on it too. It it feels um, if you are a Pat Lawler fan. And you like the the trap up and surgical shots selection? Um, you'll like the game. I mean, it's uh, Pat knows how to make a, a game feel fun, and I think the the Wonka theme works really well with, with his style. It, it is very very Twilight Zoney. I'll say that. Um, if Twilight Zone doesn't turn you on, uh, definitely play this one before you put some money down. But if uh, Twilight Zone is your jam, I think you'll, I think you'd enjoy it. So, d- does so. it feel anything like Roller Coaster Tycoon? No, not at no, all. It, awesome. it, <laughs> it, does, it, it, it was. It's a very fun shooter, and and visually, there's a lot going on. Um, I agree with Jeff in that the the light show integration with the art it does it, it certainly looks more spectacular with their light show. I mean, the one thing Jersey Jack has consistently done is been visually tantalizing. So it, it takes it yeah. to a different level with the game on versus it off. 
Cool. There were also a lot of little fun touches that I just don't know if they come across in streams or not, but uh, the pop bumper singing the Oompa Loompa song. <laughs> For some reason, that was just kind of cool. <laughs> it's yeah. good integration. There. Yeah, they, they certainly, uh, there's a lot of attention to details on the Jersey Jack uh, you know, products. Um, I, and by the way, yeah. I, so I also went to uh, uh, Butch Peel, uh, his seminar, and he's uh, he's one of the engineers at Jersey Jack. And I, I it's it's amazing. He's a very down to earth guy, uh, very much a, an engineer, and he's trying to uh, help with the interaction of understanding, uh, building these. Uh, how, what's the best way of describing it? Building these instruction manuals, but also working on having an online interaction one. So you're saying, hey, I want to go in and uh, take apart this play field. And so you can click on it and it will explode it for you online. And it'll say, okay, this is how it looks assembled. And this is how it comes apart. And really from a, from a novice uh, hobbyist, that would be hugely beneficial for me. And I know that's a crazy amount of work. Uh, Butch is so great to, to talk to and he, he, he's very approachable. He's one of the guys who, when I was having, well, still haven't fixed it, but on my Wizard of Oz, that door, he's one chimed in. It's like, oh, by the way, it's this page on the manual. Go look there. So cool. Yeah, absolutely. Just a quick recap too, though, Jeff, uh, what did you think about the LE Black Knight? Um, I enjoyed it. I, it shocked me how little there was to shoot for on the upper playfield, but it felt much more in line with the series than the pro did. Yeah. Um, I also have really warmed up to that game overall. Uh, I know it's hard. I know it's tough to grind out points on, um, but I think it's a good location game. I, I don't know that I'd be excited to own one, but I think it's one of those that's just fun to step to. And the day after the show, I got back and I went, to play our location one and threw some initials up and racked up a bunch of credits on it. It was fun. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, uh, the LE um, with the upper play field, it feels like a modernized version of black Knight 2000. And it, so if you are a black Knight 2000 fan and, or, you know, black Knight slash black Knight 2000, it is the logical progression to that. Um, if you want like a stripped down and modified, and I would argue faster version, the pro version is for you. I, I also think that it works really well in playing with friends because the ball times are going to be short. So you're not going to be waiting around a while because it is a brutal game. Yeah, it was cool too to be able to bring back that whole aspect of Black Knight where you have a ball rolling, you're punching the lock bar to make it hop just a little bit so you can catch it on the flipper tip and try and get an orbit around the uh, upper play field to, to line up another shot. Yeah. And having that missing from the pro, that's the biggest thing that's missing from the whole black Knight feel. So that's back. Well, yeah. the pro is, is much more aggressive because the ball is constantly flying at you. It's there. There is no, there is no slowdown. I mean, with the, with the upper play field, it's a little slower. And I'd say the catapult lock is really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I and mean, it's uh, the pro version is drag racer. It, it's just going full speed all the time. Yep. Yep. For sure. Cool. And by the way, I actually got more time on uh, Jersey Jack Pirates. 
Um, I'm more and more impressed with that game every time I see it. And I play more and more and find out there's all these little things that Eric put in there that still just blow my mind. I'm trying to, I'm trying to appreciate it more, but it feels like that is such a giant undertaking that I still only understand about 20% of what's going on in that game because it's so impressive. It's like a big time digital pinball game where it feels like it's doing stuff that are only, you'd only seen a digital pinball game, but it's actually doing them. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like a Zen pinball machine come to life. Yeah, I, I agree. It's amazing. Well, it's time to buy one and get down yeah. in your basement, it sounds like. Well, I but have next... two, pirate, two pirate games, so that'll be my third one. Sounds like a plan, man. <laughs> so, well, cool. Um, I guess if that wraps it up, I guess we'll move on to a little bit of news then, which is like n- nothing. <laughs> the, o- <laughs> the only thing that's come out, we've talked about this like the last couple of weeks. It just seems like more and more is coming out slowly from Deep Root. Uh, really, the takeaway from it is uh, Robert Mueller's cocky and we're supposedly supposedly seeing prototypes of Raza uh, in November at the Houston Expo. You guys want to put any right. input in on this? Uh, I just hope he's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's been the what longest uh, weird, bad, stupid story in pinball. Uh, so hopefully this is it coming to an actual resolution. Um, if they're there, great. If they're not, it just sucks for the people being strung along. Yep. I do want to, I really do want to see, just see something happen. You know what? Here, here's yep. my attitude. He's certainly, he's certainly coming off with a lot of bravado. Um, I, I also think he hasn't taken any money and he's also been doing at least something for the J pop people which is something he never had to do. So um, it feels to me that he's putting his money where his mouth is. And I, I like the bravado. I like him saying, bring it on. I also, if he is able to produce what he, what he is saying, then I'm all excited. Uh, I agree. And I think that the vibe seems very much in that Bally Williams, 1990s feel which I really think we uh, we could use more of. Well, cool. Yep. Well, the only other news that I could really think of that we haven't talked about, uh, the day, like two days after we recorded, Nate Shivers came out with Coast to Coast and did his final episode of Indefinite Hiatus. Um, it's just crazy. Ending of an era, I guess. But... I wanted to point out some stuff though, Jeff, that like he talked about how you guys were the inspiration for him starting that up. So really everyone should be thanking the pinball podcast for all the years of coast to coast. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that he wouldn't have done it on his own um, otherwise, but I do remember when he first started coming out with those episodes um, and he had just first started and, and uh, Don and I picked up on him and we started kind of mentioning it on the show and uh, we were first impressed at the rate he could put them out. And then we were really impressed by the quality of what he could put out. Yeah. And then everyone else started to recognize that as well. And it was a fantastic run they had with it. He's not done with his 
pinball uh, media production stuff. We know he's just kind of changing what he's going to do, but uh, it was a really good run for the show, and it was actually nice to um, hear him come back and at least give it a proper send-off. Yeah, I, I agree. It's basically closing one chapter and opening a different one. It's, it's leaving one band and starting another. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's fine. He's certainly entertaining. He certainly knows how to be a PR guy, and whatever he is involved in will be successful. So. I think people just need to, you know, a lot of people have complained of how he en- ended the episode. I'm like, dude, just it's it's an entertainment thing. Just it's a teaser. It, Come on, yeah, it's, just it's what just Marvel's be been doing for 22 films. Just it's yep. a teaser saying that he's not done. He's doing something else. Just wait for it. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry if 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 people have a problem with it, then they can take the money back, whatever they paid him. Oh wait, nothing. So <laughs> right, they they can so. you know. I'm sorry. This this is for free. So if you're complaining about a free product, then you know just turn it off. Yeah. So, well, cool. Well, that pretty much covers our news. Uh, I know some other stuff happened, but we're not going to talk about it. So, yeah. <laughs> if you're really worried about, it, go on the interwebs. If you really want to dig that hole, go into Pinside. So yeah. If you want, uh, if you want to watch a flame war, just go to Pinside. I I don't really care about the uh, the crazy drama. Um, I guess my attitude is let's be nice to everybody in the sport, regardless of who you are, what your affiliation is, political, religious, sexual, whatever. Just why don't we just focus on playing the game and not deal with the other stuff or, or why don't we just respect the other stuff? I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So cool. Um, I wanted to hurry and do a time warp since we have Jeff on. I, I didn't, I did not warn you that this was coming because I wanted you to, uh, I don't know, I wanted you to have your mind clear of the questions I was going to ask. So we're going to go back eight and a half years. You ready for this, Jeff? The date is October 6, 2011. Okay. This is the first day that the first episode of the Pinball Podcast came out. I remember. Okay. So... I've got show notes here because, um, or I took notes. This isn't necessarily what was in your show notes, but I want <laughs> I wanted to go over the news and rumors of October 2011 to see how much of this came true. You ready for this? Oh, okay. Let's uh, let's see what we got. Okay, do you? This is gonna be crazy. Do you remember the fir- or the stern rumored next title coming out in 2011? 2011. Oh boy. Um... You and Don had talked about there was leaked photos, so you guys were pretty for sure of it. And uh, it looked like it was going to be a quick and fun, fast game. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I bet if I really, really thought about it, I I could come up with it. Um... It was Transformers. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, unfortunately, it did come out. (laughs) Well, that's what made me chuckle as I was listening to this. And you're like, man... Gomez is really good at fast, good designs. And I'm like, the, eight, eight and a half years later, like no one's talking about this game. And usually when they do, it's not that great. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, the news at that time was Tron update had come out, the last update. You hadn't owned one at the time yet. I know that you own one now, but you talked about how you I do played one a lot at the local bowling alley, I think is what you said. So something like that, maybe. Oh, yeah, it was a movie theater. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, and then there was more rumored titles. There was three 
pretty solid ones coming out from uh, Stern. Do you remember what those were? Let's see. Um, boy, you, you, you caught me at a bad time. <laughs> Would it have been ACDC? Yes. Which, which at the okay. time you said that there was horns on the Stern logo, so you didn't know if it was ACDC or this other game, which was then another rumor. Uh-oh. Uh, horns, horns. Remember, we were, we're just three years after one of the biggest movie events that had come out. I think I'm really dumb t- right now. Are you typing um, in the background? Are you phoning That's not me. Are you texting John? <laughs> You're texting no. John, aren't you? I have, no, I have no lifelines. Uh, let's see. After ACD, I'm having a hard time remembering back to 2011. That's actually the hard part here. So 2011, I know ACDC, I got that. I got mine in 2012. Um, what movie would have come? Iron Man? Close. It was Avengers. Avengers. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, that came out as well. <laughs> uh, um, but the horns was misconstrued as it could have been Loki from Avengers. And so that plus John Borg at the uh, time had a picture of Avengers on his desk. So that was the other fuel to the rumor. So and then there was the the other rumor was uh, Project Alice. So I'm assuming this is what ACDC ended up being. But it's because Steve Ritchie and Lyman Sheets had come out and said they were working on Project Alice and they were both excited about it. So yeah yeah and then you had two throwaway title names that you think that stern was putting out there to throw off the scent which i think is hilarious because one of them was monsters yep i remember that (laughs) and then the other one was muppets so seriously out of all the guys all the titles that have been rumored most of them have been made so yeah yeah oh and sorry there was one more rumor which was elvira 3 and the rumor was is yeah. JJ that was JJP's next game, and they'd only come out with Wizards of Oz at the time. Yeah, I remember that. So, but and that still has not made yeah, its way I out. I can't see. Yeah, uh, what is I up can't with see that? JJP doing uh, doing Elvira, but I I think that it's ready to be put out there at any time. Uh, I think they're just waiting for a lull in production or um, some delay, and they can just kind of plug it in. I, I think it's one of those evergreen titles that you can actually, the theme is not dated. And so you can still kind of put that in. I think that's what's going on. Yeah. Well, and who knows between Dennis Norman moving around and cause it was originally tied to him. Wasn't it? While yeah. He but he finished it before he left. Right. No. Oh, yeah. So, but anywho, that was your time warp. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. There was a lot more too. You guys That's crazy. It was eight years ago. Well, and what's funny is the first episode, you guys kind of did like a, a title of the episode, like a, not a title, a theme, not the theme. You're right. Right. And the pinball, pinball machine that you guys had picked out for that one was judge dread. So yeah. Yeah. Because I remember that because Don loved that. Well, that's the game that brought us together. Yes. Yeah. So after listening to that, I wanted to buy a judge dread. So I, I still hope you're happy. It's a fun game. I like it's good Dread. Dread. I am happy. So, yeah, yeah, it's a crazy I, game. I think so. you have to have it's. It can't be your only game, but it can be a you know part of a a smattering 
of a games you have. Yeah, if I remember right, like that was before like even um, Pinball Arcade was even out. There was like nothing was out yet. It was a weird time. It was the dead zone of pinball. That was before the Pinnacons started because, uh, yeah, we had about uh, 12 years of death. And then just 2012, it kind of started picking up again. Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is that's when um, Raza started was like right around the first couple of episodes that we recorded is when Ben Heck and J-Pop teamed up to do that. Yeah. And Um, I think Alice in Wonderland was out then too, or at least uh, the foam core stuff was. It's finally going to finally going to happen, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, (laughs) who knows? I I never thought Wizard of Oz would have been a good theme and apparently it is. So, Yeah crazy how, how much has changed in eight and a half years right yeah so we've all changed you know we've here's the funny thing though is that, so. and this is I, now that they've kind of gone through and we've talked about the the themes like the the themes that should be or at least the bands and um i was thinking that they could they could actually make a, a pink pinball machine i think that she would actually she would sell <laughs> i think that i You've been listening too much Franchi lately, man. No, seriously, did he say that? <laughs> yeah, he's he's. I don't know. He uses pink as a, a reference for all. Oh, really? No, I, I had I, I've been kind of busy and haven't really listened. I, I, but I was just thinking of what like modern artist would actually make uh, a good pinball machine. I'm like, I I think that would actually work. So, but anyway, just that that's just a side yeah. note. Well, speaking of themes, uh, we wanted to hurry and talk about this. Um, I was talking to you guys about it, and it sounded like you wanted to talk about video game themes in pinball. And because um, I know, I know you, Jeff, you used to work for Nintendo, correct? Not for Nintendo, but very closely with them. Okay, so um, between that and I know that we're all kind of into video games. I mean, for heaven's sake, Scott's got a two and a half foot Mario sitting in his basement. So <laughs> until I steal it, but yeah, it he does. On so it. my question to you two, <laughs> so my question to you two is, uh, why do you think video game theme didn't work out? Because we've had like a joust. Well, we had baby Pac-Man, two different super Mario brothers, a street fighter. Um, that's that's what's coming off the top of my head. Is there is there any other ones I'm missing in there? Um, yeah. Well, there's like a defender. Probably. I'm sure. There's the space invaders. Yeah. There's. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. <clears throat> I I think the point is they're hard to remember because they're just not that great. Yeah. Usually, um, but I, I mean I I. I think there's reasons for it. And I think the reason for it is because they fall into one of two traps. They either try and make it, try and recreate the video game experience through pinball, which does not work. So they definitely tried to do that through street fighter two. Like you're going to do your fights and you're going to, you know, bash the car like you do in the game. And none of it really works. Yeah, Uh, You'd rather just, play the game and pull off the special moves and all that stuff. Or um, it's the other way where 
they've just taken kind of like a generic layout and they throw the video game theming on top of it. And it doesn't feel like anything except for just a thrown on theme. And it's just tough because you go into it with such a strong mindset. Now I know that's true with movies. I know that's true with like comic book themes and stuff, but video games, uh, they're tied to a style of play so tightly that there's certain video games, especially the old popular ones that you play them out of muscle memory almost. Yeah. Um, if you were to sit down and play like Frogger or Pitfall you now, like the old Atari yeah. games, you probably you play in the same way you did when you were, you know, four or five years old. Um, so translating that to a different medium, it, it's just weird. Um, it's really hard to do. Um, do you, I, I don't know. There, there's, uh, there's a lot. Do you think also, you know, another title that just came to my mind that I know is a total turd is Spy Hunter. Uh, yeah, that one's terrible. A weird one. That is a really weird, weird game. But I think the other you only thing, use about a third of the <laughs> yeah. I I, th- I think the other problem too is um well two two reasons I think that originally video games weren't as big. We've gotten to a place now that they're huge. Like some video game franchises are bigger yeah. than movie franchises, and so. But back then, you know, it was hard to market. Uh, a pinball machine based off of a video game when video games were only had only been around for five years. Okay, see, so you're point, actually you know? you're wrong on this. You're wrong because <laughs> uh, you're dead wrong because when the reason why they made um, you know a joust pinball machine and a defender pinball machine is because that was when um, when the early arcades were huge and. That was before the 1983 crash when um, it, that almost wiped out the, uh, the video game industry or at least took it down to the, to the you know, brass tacks down there. But uh, there, was nothing, yeah. there was almost nothing left. And so that was them trying to stay relevant when, uh, when arcades were taking over. Um, so that's – but I agree with Jeff. It's just it was a poor integration. It was almost like an add-on. It was a it was a me too. It was a cereal box that has a a theme that's tacked on it and says now Cheerios with green colors because now it's Zelda pebbles or something like that. Um, it's it, yeah. It, it was it was just branded that way. Um, I think that really the reason why most of these things failed is because they had poor theme integration and they also just had poor designs. Poor, poor designers. They weren't good designers. Um, I think that gotcha. uh, the three things that come to mind that I think would make excellent, um, that would translate really well, is I think a Super Mario Brothers game, a really good one with a good designer, would actually sell crazy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think a Zelda game would actually sell crazy. Um, I don't other things that could be done metroid uh, maybe i think metroid is a little more of a niche thing but if you look at the two pillars that nintendo has built their gaming system on it's basically been a mario game and a zelda game and that's driven uh the nintendo series since 1985 and so if they were able to find a good designer and a good rule set that's able to work with the theme I think it would be a huge hit, but you're not going to play the pinball machine like you play 
uh, Super Mario Brothers. It's not the same, but I think the theme would still ring true. Well, and that that brings me to my other question too: Is do you think that if they did, do you think that there's enough uh, quote unquote new guard into the hobby? Because my understanding is is the old guard was kind of against video games because they felt like, and I don't know uh, if this is true or not, but they felt like video games had kind of snuffed out pinball, and so a lot of them had a like the true and tried pinball players that were years and years ago. Uh, didn't want these themes because it was kind of a reminder of what killed off pinball at that point. So do you think that we could do video game titles now and then sell? I think you can. I always think you could. I just, yeah, they were just never given the same treatment as, um, you know, the other themes or the other um, licenses. And, and it's probably, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was because the designers didn't want to touch the get the game things because of that, but you know, a lot of the people that worked on some of those games that were extremely popular were big time people in pinball. Um, you had guys like Eugene Jarvis who were important in pinball were making games like defender and like, that's important. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know if, Maybe just the teams weren't right. I, I, who knows exactly what it was, but I do think you could make it work. You just have to try to not recreate, try not to recreate the game feel through pinball because I don't think that'll ever work. Um, video games, a good video game is based on extremely tight and precise gameplay, and pinball's wild. So there's got to be some sort of different angle to come at come at the experience but i i do think it would work i do they just gotta i think it would have to be the right the right license though i i don't think any of these shooter games you know like a halo game or something like i just don't think it that wouldn't work for me um i think you need more of a journey game or something with a storyline and i think that's where um, Mario and Zelda would work because it's almost like a movie theater movie license that you can craft a story around a journey around if it's a shooter game I, I don't know how much of a, 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 how much theme integration you can really get oh come on you don't want the uh, the Fortnite pinball machine that terrible one that someone took a fun house and didn't even put like they didn't like redo the play field they just stuck stickers over the top of it Oh, oh, that was painful. Oh. But no, I get where you're coming from on the uh, the shooters and whatnot. I think, and honestly, the reason I bring this up is because looking at Black Knight Sword of Rage, I feel like it's got a very video game feel to it with the fact that you try, you're trying to defeat boss after boss to get to the Black Knight. Um, I think you could, same with kind of like Walking Dead where you collect items and stuff like that. I think that the video game elements are there. I think, like, I really think a Metroid game would do fantastic. The whole point of, like, you're collecting Sam- Samus's items so you can power up to defeat the final boss. Um, right. I just, I think there's so much untapped potential. And really, how many more of these themes can we make that are, uh, I don't know, I, I still think Monsters is a, a swing and a miss. That's just me personally. I don't know, but you know, Jack Danger's been pushing Pokemon. I don't know if Pokemon would be a good theme or not. I, I don't. But that's what they've been talking about for like the last three weeks. You, when you're selling games, 
you're selling to people who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, and possible 60s, okay? And you're really selling to people who they have careers, okay. they have some disposable income. That And that's when people start restoring cars or getting into an expensive hobby. Um, I guarantee Pokemon, uh, Pokemon doesn't really ring true, at least for my generation. I and mean, I'm, I'm turning 45 this year, and I've never played a Pokemon game. Um, I, I don't, I don't foresee me ever buying that unless it's a, Hey, I'm buying it because my kid likes it. I think it has something that you identify with. Yeah. But I could be, I could be in the minority. I mean, for some reason, Pokemon, Pokemon shows up every five years and goes really big and then goes into hibernation and then comes back. So maybe I'm the outlier here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I know I would love to see a Legend of Zelda pinball machine. I think yeah, for sure. Well, the soundtrack would be well. The thing is, both Legend of Zelda and um, uh, and Mario Brothers they have intact sound packages that you could really repurpose very easily. And I mean, if you hit that button and it goes yes. da, 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 and then launches the ball or whatever, I think that that really does. Like, hey, this is kind of fun. Um, who knows? Uh, of course, outside of, I, I just talked about Nintendo. Um, that's basically, those are still from like 1985. I know Zelda's kind of evolved since then, but Mario has kind of felt very similar. Is there any other video game franchise that you would think, yeah, that would work? The thing is with like, I think Mario and Zelda are the big no brainers because they are cross generational and they're also popular with the younger generation. So it's kind of hard to find anything that would be better than those. Um, other stuff that might work. I mean, I want to retheme my Hollywood heat into a Metroid. I just keep getting set back on that. So I've always felt that that would be a good one. Um, outside of like the Nintendo side of things, I mean, if you had a Fortnite pinball machine, kids would run up and play it. I just don't really see it translating that well. Well, shooter or survival type games, I just don't. I don't see it. I like the arena battle style. Um, <sighs> it's tough. Like, like racing games, maybe, but I, I don't think they'll ever do another know. racing game. I, the only the only racing game that I could possibly see them do is like the getaway three or, or, or something like that's the only one I mean, a full throttle, a fun game, but the theme just sold nothing. Yeah. 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 It's just, Hey, by the way, I don't know. If anyone, uh, Ratchet and Clank would be a good, um, Ratchet, and, Ratchet Clank and Clank would be good. Uh, God of war maybe, maybe. um, would be yeah, good. Maybe. I, th I think a good one would be resident evil and it's just because it's produced movies along with the video games. There's a lot of, yeah. extra outside of it and mm -hmm. uh, we seem to in the pinball hobby, hobby uh, gravitate towards mature themes right and so uh, i mean walking dead did very well and it didn't have anything any of the assets to it except for the essentially the, the title stuff yeah yeah so yeah. yeah i think i think it could um lend very well to a pinball machine uh incorporating like trying not to die and stuff like that may if you're bitten by a zombie you have a timed you know you got to get an herb before you time out and you end up getting forced to drain or something i don't know that could be a really dumb concept but just stuff off the top of my head 
But yeah. Yeah, I can see it. So video games are tough, man. They're just really tough to translate. A, well, I think it's also just that, a different style. Like when I grew up, I mean, I grew up really, I remember Pong. So that was like, I've seen everything going from really basic to really crazy advanced. And uh, at least the early games, it was kind of, it was a repetition and a skill to repeatedly do the same thing. Modern games are completely different. Um, and especially like the, the, uh, the, you know, the world of Warcraft types or the, you know, just kind of that environmental games. It's just different than, Hey, jump over the barrel five times. So yeah. I, 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 I just think it feels different. It feels different, but pinball is a lot closer to the earlier ones where it's just one small skill that you're repeatedly doing. They should do since, since Stern's got Steve Ritchie, they just need to do mortal Kombat. And then it'd be kind of like base, <laughs> like the Deadpool style. So where you're still fighting on the you screen. You'd be like Street Fighter 2. Well, no, but then you can choose from characters like you would on uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. And they all have their own little perks to them. Yeah. I, don't know. I, don't know. I, I think I think Deadpool worked really well. Um, I, I know that Jeff's less of a fan. I've actually grown more and more to like Deadpool and wouldn't mind having one in my collection. Um, but... Yeah, I, I just don't see a fighting one really working as well. But hey, they, they pulled it off on Deadpool. So I don't know. That was just my thought for the week. Or it's been my on my mind for a while now because I've I grew up on video games originally and then I transferred over to pinball. And so I've always wondered why there hasn't been more especially with a lot of these franchises that have been established for twenty five, thirty years. Um I mean heck, what didn't Zelda just have its 35th anniversary okay. I mean maybe. it's up there uh, for sure may that may was Mario Mario was 1984 so I'm just kind of like uh, the but. problem with these bigger franchises they tend to be more jealous and involved in how they're um, how it's presented which is why Disney and you know Lucas they're notoriously challenging to work with because they're very focused on their brand presentation. And so I think that Nintendo would be just as challenging. That's a good possibility, man. That's why it's never went been one or they've never went after it. So, well, they tried, they tried twice and that was really bad. I think though, the Nintendo is getting more and more license friendly. We're seeing that with mobile games. We're seeing that with third party developers making like, Mario and Rabbids or uh, the Cadence of Hyrule. I mean, that's an indie developed game that's right. being lent Legend of Zelda assets. I mean, I think we're getting to that point where I think the iron's hot right now. If people want to start building that kind of stuff, they need to do it now before it starts going away. So um, just my thought process. I want to hear, I want to hear from you guys though. I want to hear, we'll throw a poll up this time. We'll do, do you think video games make for a good theme for pinball machines? Yes or no? And we want to hear in your comments what your favorite one would be. Easy sure. enough? I think they can do it. They should, awesome. you know, they should do a golden axe <laughs> or an altered beast. Yes. Okay, maybe not. No, they need to do... Uh, did you ever hear about that terrible... Just It was a one-shot game in Japan. It was called... It was, it was made for the Wii. And it was called <clears throat> Wii PP. And it came with a harness... 
with the Wii remote. So you could pee into toilets and then like cats would pop out of the toilets and you'd pee on their heads. Hmm. I don't know what I don't know what the Japanese were thinking, but that was that was some hot stuff over that's there, just, man. That's Sounds really great. Bizarre. I would never buy that for my kids. <laughs> uh, so you never know. There's random things for everything. Are we ending on peeing on cats' heads? Is that really how the episode's ending? <laughs> no, no. You're supposed to end on a high note. That's pretty high. (laughs) Well, I think you'd have to be high to design that game. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's getting late. I think we need show notes next time. That that really took a left turn. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for the inappropriate not family funness there. Oh, no, it's just bizarreness. I've never heard of that game, and I think my brain just exploded. I'm not mad. I'm just scared. You're just, I, I thought you were disappointed. <laughs> not disappointed. I'm just scared. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, cool. Hey, is there anything that you want to relay to the public while we've got you on Jeff? I don't know if there's, you know. Yeah. Let me, let me give my podcast co-host a shout out. Go check out softplungepinball.com. She's selling pinball merchandise now. So yes. check it out. I will definitely check that out. I heard, uh, I heard there's some good stuff on there. Go get, go get yourself a Golden Girls t-shirt. It's pretty awesome. Uh, they might have sold I, out. It's possible. Did you know that my first, uh, the first person I played, um, I talked to her about your, uh, well, Jessica's website, and I and mentioned the Golden Girls shirt, and I pulled it up, and she said, I need one. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So. I'm pulling it up as we speak. I heard that there was an awesome web designer on this, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> Just so-so, right? We collaborated well. Anyway. Yeah, Work these are pretty cool. Still. Ooh. Oh, dang it, Jeff. I thought you were going to buy these booty shorts that say soft plunge on them. I think those actually did sell out. They did sell out. They said sold out. Dang it. It's because you bought them all, isn't it? Mm, no, I didn't nope. get a chance. They sold out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he bought well, them for his, his new workout regimen. No, there will be more. Yeah. Cool. No, awesome, guys. It's right. great. Well, I guess we should probably wrap this up because if we don't, we'll just keep on rambling, right? We'll just keep yes. going crazy, yeah. Um, is there any shout-outs? Oh, I, we got you on, Jeff. Let's, let's hurry and we've officially – I know we texted you this, but we officially dubbed you or knighted you. I don't know what it's called. Uh, you're a loser kid just like one of us now. Yeah, so. inducted. You're inducted. So, And we're trying to work on yeah. getting some swag so we can get you – get you something official awesome high note note or a low note note in your life (laughs) wait what it's a note (laughs) it's a note it's not a brown note no no No. i still find it a high i'm happy with it see everyone's a loser compared to like raymond davidson right he's number one in the world right now so we're all playing for second Yeah. yeah or worse Scene never change if you're not the lead dog. We're in the same league as Keith Elwin. How does that make you feel? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's a good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really close to that. So, well, cool. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, Jeff, and giving us an update of all the Rocky Mountain Pinball stuff. Um, I know it's a special show for you, so it was cool that Scott got got to go uh, enjoy that with you. So. Yeah, it was awesome. All right. Uh, 
I, I, after the show, I decided I'm on the hunt for a high speed um, or an earth shaker. So cool. If anyone knows of a good high speed or an earth shaker, let me know. I might have a baby Pac-Man. I don't know if you'd want that. I don't know if I can maintain those. <laughs> Apparently, I'm going to get two of them along with an eight ball deluxe. But wow. we'll see what happens. Okay, so. well, let me know. So, so how can we find you, Jeff? Besides hanging out on, on our podcast, um, eventually we're going to release a new episode of the Pinball Podcast. Um, Jessica was at the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show this last weekend, so we will get together and record this week. I'm fairly certain of that. The Pinball <laughs> Podcast will be back soon. Um, other than that, just uh, yeah, I know. See you around. See you around. Cool. See you around. Sounds good. So yeah. either check him out, Pinball Podcast, or wherever Jeffs are found. Yep, I'm there. So cool. And how can they? How well, can they find us, Josh? You should plug uh, yourself too. How can we find us? Uh, they can find us on Facebook at the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast, or you can reach us at Gmail at Loser Kid Pinball Podcast, or wherever you find your podcasts. We're probably there. I'm pretty proud of ourselves for the fact that we're on Alexa. If you tell Alexa. Hey Alexa, play Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. She'll start it. Yay! Awesome. Oh crap! And it's starting oh. in the background. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, not to extend the show, but it was really funny. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> my my kids were trying to be stupid with um, the Google Home the other day, and they tried to have it play a poop song. And they said, "Okay, Google, play the poop song." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And uh, there was all sorts of noise interference going on. It said, okay, playing the pinball podcast episode, I think it was like 19 or nine or something. Um, we have one that's called poop bumper oh. and uh, yeah, everyone had a good laugh about that when all of a sudden said, you're listening to the pinball podcast with Don and Jeff. <laughs> that, that's awesome. That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. My, my kids were, were talking to Alexa and it ended up being like, there's a, it's like the toilet bowl guys or something it was like poop and pee on the toilet seat so they played that for like a week straight comedy gold yeah it's 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 gold jerry (laughs) well on that high note i think we should sign off (laughs) if you're still listening then i feel sorry for you (laughs) so all righty guys later all right yeah sounds good i all need right. to uh, grab some stuff because i'm flying out tomorrow so all right okay good okay. luck thanks right. see you guys bye